God, I pray that in this time, we would, we would get to see you clearly. We would see our world clearly. I pray that for people who came here today, I believe that they have a divine appointment with you, that there's no accidents, there's no coincidences, that you have people here on purpose. I pray that you would, you would bless the people who have come as a result of their investment of time coming to church on Sunday morning, that they could hear from you. I pray that you will grow our faith. And if people are far from faith, that the seeds of faith will start to grow in their heart. And those who are in this room who, who wrestle and struggle with the questions and the tensions between science and the Bible, that you would grow faith in their life, that when they walk out of here today, they have a sure foundation and trust in the God of all creation who made the world that we see today. Would you bless our time in this message? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in case I didn't say it, I am Jared Kirk. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Renewal Church. And when I grew up, I didn't grow up in church. Um, my mom is Jewish. My dad is just non-religious, so we didn't go to church. No summer fun days for me as a child. I was basically deprived. And uh, for me, the thing that I was just completely and totally into was science. I read Scientific American every time it came out. Um, one time in middle school, my parents made me go to a Methodist church. And I don't, I don't know why, actually. They, they, I think I know why. They would drop me and my sister off at the Methodist church, and then they would go get bagels across the street and just come back an hour later and pick us up. So it was like free childcare. So we go to this Methodist church. There's these really nice church ladies, you know, church ladies, right? And they're running the, the Sunday school class for, for us, and I was in about fifth or sixth grade. And the ladies start talking about how important love is. And I said, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. Um, love is just a series of chemical reactions in the brain. I, I read about it this week in Scientific American. And you know, they're like, well, we're trying to explain that God is love. And I'm like, yeah, but it's just brain chemicals. And the reason I remember that is because when we walked out of there, my sister, who's older than me, was so embarrassed that she chewed me out for 15 minutes about how wildly inappropriate I was as a child. But that was just my whole worldview. It was science. And that's how most of us are. We, we have this worldview where we, we see the world through the lens of progress and technology and the scientific worldview that we're given by our, our schooling. And so there becomes a tension when you are a person of faith or when you're investigating faith. So how do science and the Bible relate together? Are they antagonistic? Do you need to be a person who either believes in science or believes in faith? Do you need to be the kind of person who pursues scientific inquiry and says, well, therefore, it's filled in the gaps of our knowledge and we don't need God anymore? Or on the other side, you can say like, well, I'm going to be a person of faith and I'm just, I'm going to let science exist over there and I'll never integrate the two pieces in me. That's fact. This is feelings and we'll leave the two things separate. Well, I believe that there's an integration of the two and I believe that's biblical. I'm going to try to make an argument and a case for that today. That there is a relationship between science and the Bible. You could say more broadly between science and Christianity or science and God. But the, the way that we, 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 the questions come up is often through science and the Bible. That there's a relationship between these things. So take out your teaching notes and look at the front. Because we're just going to look at a couple of quotes here first. I pulled one from Galileo. Famously persecuted by the church. But just because he was persecuted by the church didn't, does not mean that he did not personally believe in God. Look what he says. For the Holy Bible and the phenomena of nature proceed alike from the divine word. Now, underline the word, word, because that's going to come back in a few minutes in John chapter 1. 
The former is the dictate of the Holy Ghost and the latter as the observant executrix of God's commands. Why can't we speak like that anymore? <laughs> Science is good, right? That's, just, that's all we got. Look at Isaac Newton a couple years after Galileo. Here's two separate quotes that you can see I've combined together. The first one, this most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Now, here's the second quote. I have a foundational belief in the Bible as the word of God written by men who were inspired. From such a mind as the inventor of calculus, there seems to be no um, conflict there. Now, here's a more modern quote. Francis Collins, one of the co-discoverers of DNA, he was the head of the Human Genome Project and at one point the director of the National Institutes of Health. So there's a pedigree for you. You thought you were accomplishing something in life. That's all that is, is just disappointment for my parents today. Listen to what he says. Many materialists, noting the advances of science filling in the gaps of our understanding, announce that God is dead. Many believers see the advance of science as dangerous and untrustworthy, a threat to God. Both positions are dangerous and unnecessary. The God of the Bible is also the God of the human genome. He can be worshipped in the cathedral and in the laboratory. That's pretty cool. All right. Let's look at the relationship between science and the Bible. Turn on to the inside, and I've got some blanks for you to fill out. We've heard from the scientists. Let's hear from the scriptures. The first point this morning, the first blank, the Bible gives science a logical foundation. Why don't you write that in? The Bible gives science a logical foundation. Now, pretty clearly, science has... a Christianity gives science a historical foundation, but there's a philosophical and logical foundation as well, and here's how it works. In most ancient cultures, they believed that the things that were happening around us, whether it was a, a thunderstorm or a rainstorm, was at the capricious whim of the deities. Whatever, whatever God decided to do that at the moment, it just happened, so it didn't happen according to regular laws and patterns, it happened to the whim of of the gods, and you can kind of, if you think back to your middle school when you learned about your Greek myths, right, you think about the gods who were just sort of like variously punishing people or not punishing people, right? But the Bible gives a picture of the universe that is regular and that it is governed by laws, and that, that logical and philosophical understanding of the universe is the precondition for scientific inquiry. Look at Job 38:33. This is God speaking to Job in the book of Job. He says, do you know the laws of the universe? Now, underline that phrase, laws of the universe. Can you use them to regulate the earth? So here we encounter, now Job is actually, it's probably the oldest book in the entire Bible. And we see here this understanding that the universe is, is guided and directed by laws that can be discovered, that can be described, that you can, you can uncover. Look at the same thought in Jeremiah 33, 25. But this is what the Lord says, I would no more reject my people than I would change my laws that govern day and night, earth and sky. Same thought, that there are laws that govern the natural universe that we perceive around us. I pulled one more verse on this. Um, it's in the New Testament. It's one, of the most, it's one of the most fascinating ideas in the New Testament, actually. That idea of the word. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. And what John is doing here is he is um, intentionally conflating 
this idea of Jesus as the Word, so Jesus existing in the beginning, with this Greek idea of the Word, which is a translation of, of logos, L-O-G-O-S, which is where we get our word uh, logic from. It also carries the idea of reason. It's sort of the reason of the universe, the reasoning of the universe, the logic of the universe. It says, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. So there's this idea that the universe was created according to the spoken Word of God, according to laws and principles which can be uncovered. Now, do you see the power for that as a philosophical underpinning for scientific inquiry? You see, science is actually... It's unbelievably powerful methodology for describing what you see in the world, in the universe. However, it, it has almost no explanatory power for why the universe exists or why it exists the particular way that it does instead of some other way. Right? Once, you, once you start considering what's outside of creation you're now in the realm, of, squarely in the realm of the metaphysical, a, a, a topic to which science is simply um, not up to the task. And so it's in that sense that the Bible gives a logical foundation to science. All right, number two, science illuminates the creator. We spoke a little bit about this last week. If you ever miss these messages, you can go on to the app, Renewal Church Boston app, and uh, they're all posted there for you by Monday or Tuesday at the latest. But this was a topic that we, we looked at last week, how, how the creation reveals the creator. Look at Psalm 19, 1 through 4. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. Now, circle that phrase, make him known, in your notes, because think about that for a second. You look at the creation, you see a glimpse of the creator. Speaking of the universe, it says, they speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. When you see the creation, when you, the more clearly you see the creation, you see God. You see his divine attributes. You see his power. You see his order. You see his creativity. You see God. Now, great art always does this. It, it gives you a glimpse into the soul of the creator. And that's one of the great criticisms of modern and contemporary art. It's it's soulless. And, and Adam, if you're in here, I don't care what you say, the new Taylor Swift song is soulless. I don't think he's in here. So let me say it direct to camera. Adam, you're wrong. <laughs> but great art gives you a window into the soul of the creator, doesn't it? One of my favorite um, musicians is an artist named Patty Griffin. And it's like when I listen to her music... It's like I'm just pulled into a whole another world. I feel like I know her as a person. Now, I don't, but it, it gives you that sense. And that's how scientific inquiry is. It, it gives you a glimpse into the, into the mind of God himself. In the life of the Christian, if you're a person of faith, this is supposed to call forth worship. The more clearly you see the power of God. When you, when you, when you experience awe of the creation... 
Your awe is not supposed to terminate upon the creation, but it's supposed to go beyond it to the creator. The question is always, when you're blown away by nature, the next question for the Christian is always, and who made this? And you uh, experience awe of God. Let's look at the third and final point today. Because I think we did tell the children about Summer Fun Day, and if this goes too long, there could be a riot. (laughs) And I don't know if you've met my children, That could be an issue. Number three, the Bible speaks truthfully when it speaks. The Bible speaks truthfully when it speaks. Our memory verse today, and by the way, I mentioned this last week, but we have have reworked our process for the memory verse. So if you check off the box on your connection card that says you want to memorize this verse this week, um, we've changed what happens. We, We might do something, but you'll have to check the box if you want to find out what happens. Here's what it says, all scripture is inspired by God, and I I underlined that phrase, inspired by God. Another translation says, is breathed out by God. I love that. And it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The Bible speaks truthfully when it speaks. Now, think about this for a second. The Bible is not a science textbook. It's not the purpose for which it was written. However, on the occasions that the Bible speaks about the natural world, it does speak accurately. Now, there's not, there's not a huge number of these places in the Bible, but there are some, like, this is just for me personally in my faith, there's some things in the Bible that are just, it, 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 my faith grows when I think about these things. Look at some of the verses I picked out for you when the Bible does talk about the physical world. The Bible teaches that this universe had a beginning. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, even even in the last century, actually, scientists were going back and forth about whether the universe had a beginning or not until they discovered the, you know, the cosmic background radiation. They said, oh my gosh, it had, like it's expanding, there's the Doppler effect. The universe had a beginning. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Have you ever wondered where the universe came from? I mean, that, that is one of the linchpins of my faith, personally. As, as, a, as, a, as a, just a, a science nerd who never really grew up, one of the linchpins of my faith. Why is there something instead of nothing? You know, if, if you don't believe in God, I, I understand that, but like, where do you think it came from? You say, well, there must be an infinite series of universes, and it's like, okay, well, that is just as crazy of a contention than that the universe was created by a mind with reason for purposes. There's no more evidence for that. Where did the universe come from? It had a beginning, and I believe that it came from God because that's what the Bible says. The Bible also says, uh, when it describes the water cycle, this is, this is so cool, It accurately describes the water cycle. Look at Job 36. He draws up the water vapor, distills it into rain. The rain pours down from the clouds, and everyone benefits. Now, there was a belief in the ancient world that almost all the streams came from underground underground springs. And yet, in the oldest book of the Bible, it, it accurately describes the water cycle, which is just really cool to me. And then here's another one that's just mind blowing. According to the Bible, the earth is suspended in empty space. 
It's not supported by anything. And if you, if you look at all the mythology of the ancient Near East, you know, the, it, it's, the world is never created out of nothing. There's never a beginning of the universe. It's organized out of existing chaos. And when you look at the earth, it's often supported by something. Think of the world on Atlas's shoulders, or there's a, there's a great ancient myth where the, the world is on the back of a giant tortoise, um, which I feel like I just saw a superhero movie like that where there was giant tortoises. Anyway... According to Job, God just hangs the earth in empty space. It's just not supported by anything. When the Bible does speak, it speaks truthfully. It's not a science textbook, but it does speak accurately. Now, the, the last thing to kind of say under this heading is, of, of course, the elephant in the room when you're talking about this, which is miracles. So as persons of faith, we believe that the the miracles in the Bible are not just mythological stories intended to instruct us, but that this is is something that actually happened. So can a reasoning, intelligent person believe in miracles? And the, the argument of David Hume would be that they're so rare as to be actually unbelievable. But the person of faith would say, miracles are supposed to be rare. And actually, when you, pick up, when you pick up a Bible, you think it's just full of miracles all the time and just constant miracles all the time. But actually, they were grouped into three periods in human history in the Bible. They're grouped around the lives of Moses, around the lives of Elijah and Elisha, and around the life of Jesus. And that these are the three main groupings of miraculous activity of God in the world. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't sometimes operate outside of that. But it's not like just every day in the Bible people were like, just miracle, miracle, miracle. That's not, that's not accurate. In fact, they're seen as exceedingly rare. You see, for the person of faith, there's a sort of internal consistent logic to this, which is if you believe there's a God who created this universe and who is powerful and who is loving, then it makes sense that at some points he would reveal himself to the world by intentionally uh, breaking the laws of nature that he had created so to, to, to gain the attention of people so you would see something is happening here, so that he could display something about his power, display something about his presence in the world. And you can think about it like this. Um, if you have enough faith to believe that God created the world, then you have enough faith to believe any miracle in the Bible. Because if this universe is created by a God, then that God could do anything in the Bible. So here's another way to say it. If you have enough faith to believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then you have enough faith to believe John 3-16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You see, God entered into this world as a human being. Jesus suffered and died. This is the ultimate miracle. And then God raised him from the dead. Now, he doesn't go around raising people from the dead all the time. You might say, well, listen, we know from science that dead people don't come back to life, and and they just, they stay dead. That's part of the natural. And, And as Christians, we would say, like, yes, of course, we agree. That's the whole point, is that when God interrupts this, everyone is supposed to stop and pay attention, that it starts this whole new movement of Christianity. It switches a whole, a whole group of Jews from worshiping on Saturday to worshiping on Sunday, that there's these eyewitness testimonies coming from women and then from 500 other people who are still living. And if anybody in the ancient world wanted to go, 
go talk to them. They could just go down to Jerusalem, talk to the 500 people, and they could see this evidence, these eyewitness reports of Jesus raised from the dead, that God entered into the world like this so that you would know that there's a God in heaven who loves you, who cares about you, who wanted to die for your sins so that you could spend eternity in heaven with him, so that you're, because when you die, it's not the end of you. It's the end of your time on this earth, but it's not the end of you. And you can spend eternity in heaven with Christ instead of eternity in hell separated from him. That this miracle is supposed to demonstrate that there's a God who would go to any length to rescue you from your sins. And I'm sorry, I'm very excited. I'm kind of worked up at the moment. But I just, to me, it's like when you see the beauty and the power and the majesty of the creator, which you discover some of that through science, And it points you to a God who cares deeply and works for you in this world. It leads you eventually to Jesus, which is not just God's power on display or his beauty or his orderliness, but his love and his mercy. And if you struggle with faith, I hope that science builds your faith. If you struggle integrating science in the Bible, I hope you understand today you have nothing to fear because the God who created this world reveals himself through nature. And maybe... That'll help a spark of faith in your own heart today. Let's pray.